2016. Um, who'd have thought what happened in 2015 would happen? We have no idea. It's the 3rd of January. It's amazing, wonderful things are going to happen in 2016. And some not-so-wonderful, heartbreaking things, I'm sure. It's typical, you know, at this time of year to think about New Year's resolutions. Nothing wrong with setting goals for yourself, but often New Year's resolutions falter as quickly as they're thought up. Year after year, we make them, and year after year, we miss the mark. For example, here's a series of missed New Year's resolutions. 2011, I'll read at least 10 books this year. 2012, I'll read at least five books this year. 2013, I'll finish the one book I started back in 2011. 2014, I'll, I'll read some newspaper articles this year. 2015, I'll read at least one newspaper article this year. 2016, I'll at least read the comics. For those of us who are constantly thinking about our way, 2013, I'll work out religiously and I will get below my goal weight. 2014, I'll work out five days a week. 2015, I'll work out three days a week. 2016, I will at least drive by the gym once a week. For those of us with money issues, 2012, I'll pay off all my, my bank loan properly. 2013, I'll pay off my bank loans properly. 2014, I'll be totally out of debt. 2015, I'll pay off the interest on my debt. 2016, I'll be out of the country by the end of 2016. New Year's resolutions come and go. So today, instead of just talking about New Year's resolutions, we're going to talk about new beginnings. We're going to talk about new opportunities. We're going to talk about the biblical truth of change and growth. Well, one good way to evaluate our lives is look at actually how we spend our days. How do we spend our days? Statisticians tell us that the average lifespan is now around 75 years. So here are some statistics based on how many actual years we spend doing things in the average 75-year lifespan. If we live to be 75, most of us will have spent four solid years acquiring an education in grade school, high school, college, etc. We'll have spent seven years eating. We'll have spent 14 years working. We'll have spent five years riding in automobiles. We'll have spent five years talking to each other. We'll have spent one year sick or recovering from sickness. We'll have spent three years reading books and magazines. We'll have spent 12 years amusing ourselves, watching TV and going to movies, etc. And get this, we'll have spent 24 years of our life Sleeping. So that total adds up to 75 years. That's what researchers say, on average, most of us will have done with our lives in 75 years. Well, as I was thinking about these statistics, I began thinking about church. Now, let's suppose that every Sunday of your life for 75 years, every Sunday from infancy, childhood, adulthood, all the way through, You've been in God's house worshiping for one hour in a church service. Now, if you did that, how long would you have spent in 
in a worship service with God. Figure it out. The answer is less than five and a half months. Five and a half months out of 75 years. But of course, we need to double that, right? Because we all love Sunday school and we attend Sunday school. And if you never miss Sunday school in your life, that would add up to 11 months. 11 months out of 75 years spent in church. If you spent one hour a week on average in personal prayer and devotions of your 75 years, that's uh, five and a half months. So think about this. Five years in an automobile, 11 months in church. It's like 12 years amusing ourselves in front of a TV, five and a half months in quiet times. It tells us about the brevity of time in our lives. It also exposes some of our priorities and our thoughts. So as we think about the use of our time, it's helpful to reflect on the fact that the Bible is full of new beginnings, second chances, opportunities to grow and to change. See, that's the real hope of the new year. Biblical change and evaluation are intrinsically connected to the communion service. You see, after beautifully describing the elements of the bread and the cup in the communion service, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.28 says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. New beginnings, new chance, evaluate. Self-examination done in the Spirit of God can be very profitable and helpful and is fundamentally connected to a proper communion service and worship. So let's take a moment here to look more closely um, at those words. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start with verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let's pray together. Father, these are beautiful words. They are powerful words. They are words that that encourage us and instruct us on communion. But these are words that challenge us. 
to have that communion in a worthy manner. So Lord, guide and direct our thoughts today and make it all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Powerful words. Communion is a visible time. It's a proclamation that we can physically hold in our hands, declaring the Lord's sacrificial death, all the while anticipating his imminent return. Communion is a solemn time. It's a holy remembrance that's supposed to elicit within us godly reflection and evaluation. Those last few verses there are very sobering. They tell us about God's judgment on those who partake communion in an unworthy manner. And if there's one thing we need to take serious in life, it's God's judgment. God's judgment is real. See, taking communion is serious because our passage says it's serious. Our passage says that taking communion in an unworthy manner can lead to weakness, to sickness. And there in Corinth, even death. See, communion is not some perfunctory religious activity. No, it's a serious time of worship. It's a serious time of focus on Jesus, on who he is, and on what he did. It's a time when God wants us to think that our spiritual eyes may be enlightened, that our hearts would be open to think all about who Jesus is, to think about all that Jesus has done. And then with all those thoughts, how are we doing then in following him? So what does it mean to take the bread and the cup in an unworthy manner? Because here's the truth. This is not earth-shattering truth, but it's the truth. We are all unworthy. We have all sinned, and we continue to sin. There has never been anyone who could take the bread and cup in a worthy manner in and of themselves. So it's not about earning something. It's not about achieving some kind of status with God that makes you worthy. Because that's impossible. There are no amount of good deeds that you can do that can earn points with God that now somehow make you worthy. It's not about making yourself worthy. It's not about making ourselves worthy. It can't be about that. Because that's not possible. There's only one who is worthy. And that's the one we worship during the communion service. Taking communion in an unworthy manner is diminishing the sacrifice of the only one who is worthy. Who only by his grace and his love And by his death and resurrection, are we able to be made worthy to take the bread and the cup? Because it's all about Jesus. See, taking the bread and cup in an unworthy manner is a self-centeredness. It's a focus on yourself. It's It's an irreverence. It's an, I am doing this to earn favor with God. It's a focus on status. It's a focus that diminishes the the power and the efficacy of the atoning work of Christ because it becomes about us. When the whole thing about communion is supposed to be all about him. See, taking communion in an unworthy manner is not remembering Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. 
It's about him. It's about making light of the sacrifice of Jesus by treating it as some kind of magic formula. The ironic truth is that it's the very acknowledgement that we are unworthy is what actually makes us worthy to take the bread and cup. Did you hear that? It's the very acknowledgement that we are unworthy that makes us worthy to take the bread and cup. It's the very truth of our coming face to face with the fact of our sinfulness. Coming face to face with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, with the great sacrifice that he paid for our sins. It's in that acknowledgement that we are unworthy and that he is worthy that then makes us ready to take the bread and cup. It's the sensitivity to God's spirit and his leading in our lives that makes us ready for the bread and cup. It's a willingness to obey God, to obey his word, to follow the spirit's leading and changing and convicting and strengthening our lives that leads us to the cross, that leads us to Jesus, that leads us to fall on our face seeking only his grace and his forgiveness that makes us ready for the bread and cup. See, the very purpose of self-examination in our passage today is so that we might bring more glory to Jesus. Communion is all about him. The purpose of godly evaluation is to change our hearts and to redirect our actions to live a life more pleasing to our God. So what am I saying? Here's the bottom line. God takes you very seriously. God is in a relationship with you. And he takes that very seriously. When you gave your life to him and you pledged to follow him in obedience, he took that commitment very seriously. He adopted you into his family and you became his child. He took custody of your life. Think about that. God, our father, and we as his children, God has spiritual custody of our lives. See, his lordship of our lives is not something that grows over time. When we accepted him as our savior, when we were adopted into his family, we also accepted him as the Lord of our life, as our father, as the ruler of our lives. Now, it's true that the application of God's lordship in our lives takes a lifetime because we're sinners and we'll sin to the very end. But the fact is, all those who know Christ, who claim Christ as their Savior, He is the Lord of our lives. The fact is, He is the one calling the shots. As Christians, it must be our ambition to grow, to be more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no accepting Jesus into your heart and then living the way you want to just totally disregarding Jesus as the Lord of your life. When you open up the house of your life to him, you don't get to tuck Jesus away in some hall closet somewhere. No, Jesus gets to reign and rule throughout the whole house of our life. Jesus is not something we add to our life. Jesus takes over our lives. We are now different We are new creations. We have different goals. We have different priorities. We have different values. The old is gone. The new has come. All of that now brings us to 
to these few precious moments. So now this morning, it's time for some biblical evaluation of our lives. So let's step into the x-ray machine of God's Holy Spirit and let his divine wisdom and his divine book instruct us. So I want to give us now a way that I was taught that can help us look at our lives. It's called the four journeys. Each of us in our lives have these four journeys. Each of us right now are on these four journeys. The four journeys are the upward, the inward, the outward, and the forward journey. The upward journey of our lives is our relationship with God. To know Him, to follow Him, to obey Him, to serve Him, to love Him. The inward journey is our understanding and caring for ourselves, our physical, social, emotional, mental, spiritual health. The outward journey is our relationship with our family and friends and our peers. And the forward journey is our reaching out to others in ministry and service through our profession, our evangelism, our church ministry, our one another ministering. Our four journeys are upward with God, inward to ourselves, outward to our family and friends, and forward in service to others. So take a moment now, if you haven't already, and look at your sermon notes. So everybody, pull out your bulletins, look at the sermon notes. Because it's not really sermon notes. What I really put there is a worksheet. It's a take-home test. That's what you all wanted, right? It's a worksheet that hopefully will help as I try to organize it around the four journeys and the three questions. The idea is to ask the three questions of each of these journeys in our lives. Now, if this was a seminar, we'd all be sitting at tables with, you know, danishes and coffee and nice PowerPoint playing in the background. And we'd spend all this time slowly going through each journey, taking time to evaluate and to think and to reflect and to pray about, about these different questions in each one of these journeys and setting up you know, systems and, and ways to move forward. Well, this is a sermon, not a seminar. So we're not going to do that this morning. So I want to encourage you to do more this morning than just listen to a sermon today. Please, I just want to encourage you to take some time today with that bulletin and a blank piece of paper, spend some time with you and God, thinking about your four journeys, thinking about the three questions, and slowly putting together, allowing the Spirit to lead you. A plan, a a step forward in your life with Christ. First is inventory. The first question we ask of each journey is, where am I? The New Year is a great time for inventory. Psalm 139.23 says, search me, O God. In Proverbs, it talks about evaluating, about getting advice before you go to battle, about getting advice before you build a house. You have to know where you are and what you have before you can adequately assess your life situation and then make the changes that God is prompting in your life. The quickest way to miss out on proper self-evaluation, is to not accurately understand where you are right now in your life. If you don't honestly know where you are, if you can't honestly evaluate your present situation and see it correctly, it's very hard to change. If you're trying to get from point A to point B, and you don't even know where point A is, 
what are your chances of ever getting to point B? See, proper evaluation means that we need to have an accurate picture of ourselves. It's amazing how hard that can be. So take some time today with the inventory of the four journeys. Where are you right now? Where are you in your upward journey, in your relationship with God? Where are you in your inward journey, in your care for yourself? Where are you in your outward journey, in your closest relationships in your life? Where are you in your forward journey, your ministry and service to others? So take time today. You can even start, as I'm preaching, you can start and do it during the communion service. Start the process of biblical self-evaluation. For the next question for our journey is, where am I going? The new year is a great time for analysis. Now that we have a start on our inventory in our lives, this is the part of the, of the journey that looks at that information and starts to analyze it. This is where we start to ask the question, okay, what now? Where am I going? Where can I improve? What's, what's next in my life journey? This is where we ask these questions. Well, what's going well? What's going bad? What's giving you joy? What's giving you heartache? What's motivating you in your life? What's discouraging you in your life? This area of analysis is where we're trying to find those next steps, the forward movement, the improvement and growth. This is where we apply God's priority principle. God's priority principle. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's priority principle that permeates every area of our life. In all of our journeys, seeking God and what he wants and his righteousness. So in light of your inventory, what do you need to do now to improve in your four journeys? What are some ways you can grow and change and mature and become more like Christ in each of these journeys? The Bible is full of growth. One of my favorite things in Colossians is putting, putting off the old man in Colossians chapter 3 and putting on the new man, the process of growth. Putting off the old man, changing your mind, putting on the new man. Growth, change, maturity. It's the heartbeat of a follower of Christ. Upward with God, inward with ourselves, outward to our family and friends, forward in ministry and service. So what are some ways you can take your forward journey on a more positive path for Christ? Well, the next question actually helps us move. New Year's a great time for new beginnings. God is all about new beginnings. Amen. Aren't you so glad that our God is all about second chances and forgiveness and repentance and new beginnings? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Philippians 3.12-14 Not that I have already obtained this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that all who race Run the race, but only one gets the prize. Run 
in such a way as to get the prize. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's look full in his wonderful face, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, folks, today is a day for new beginnings. God's mercies are new every morning. See, today is the day we live our lives like God's new creation. Today is the day we lay aside the past and we press on towards the goal to win the prize in Christ Jesus. Today is the day we start running in such a way as to get the prize. Today is the day we throw off that sin that so easily entangles us, that's hindering us and holding us back. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're running in his strength and his endurance, the race that he has marked out before us. Today is the day that we take demonstrable steps forward in the journeys of our lives. Well, the boy told his father, Dad, If three frogs were sitting on a limb that hung over a pool, and one frog decided to jump off into the pool, how many frogs would be left on the limb? Well, the dad replied, two, obvious. No, the son replied. There were three frogs, and one decides to jump. How many are left? Oh, the dad says, oh, I get it. If one decides to jump, then the others would too, so there are none left. The boy said, no, Dad. The answer is three. The frog only decided to jump. That's great. Folks, see, today is a day for new beginnings. Today is a day we don't decide to jump. Today is the day we jump. Today is the day we move forward in our lives with Jesus Christ. After you inventory, after you analyze, you pick an area of growth and you jump. You go for it. Perhaps the Lord is revealing something to you that you need to work on. Some area of your life that that he would like to see you grow in and change. Well, jump and go all in. See, sometimes the greatest enemy of our lives is comfort and routine. We get comfortable with the routine of our lives, and we're missing out on God's calling and what he, His best for our lives. We get stuck in our routines, and then when God comes calling, we don't jump. James 4.14 says, You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, this new year, this 2016, is a trust that God has given to us. It's an investment. You know, this year contains 366 days. Leap year. 8,784 hours. 527,040 minutes. 31,622,400 seconds. So how are you going to spend them? 
You, you hear all that? What I hear that is opportunity. Amazing opportunity. You see, God wants his best for us. And the best way to do that is to be in step with God in 2016, to have a growing, dynamic, personal, purposeful relationship with our Lord and Savior. So let's make 2016 a year of purpose with God. A great way to do that, an important way to do that, a critical step of making 2016 that kind of year in your life is spending time with God in your own life, daily, personal. Now, there are many ways to do that. Many people in our church, kids and parents alike, spend time with God regularly in our church through the Word of Life Quiet Time program. It's a great program. If you want to know more information about that, if your kids are doing it and you'd like to get a book, talk to me or talk to Julie about it. It's a great way to to have family time together, to get in God's Word together, all on the same passage. Now, if you're a techie person, those of you that didn't turn in your Bibles this morning, but those of you that opened, you know, turned on your Bibles this morning, if you're that kind of person, there are incredible opportunities out there. Websites with Bible reading plans. You put in Google, if you put in Bible reading plans in Google, there are so many options for you to pick from. So many things that are there to helpful. There's Our Daily Bread, which many use. Every three months we put out new ones. I put them out, uh, what we have left, out there now. Then there's David Jeremiah's. We get this monthly publication uh, called Turning Point from Pastor David Jeremiah. Great stuff. Coordinates with his radio programs. Uh, you know, Moody Radio, uh, 90.3. God know about these things. There's food out there for you during the week. What I've personally been doing is reading through the Gospels. I just want to read and reread and reread about Jesus. It's been so valuable for me. Just simply open your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and read a chapter or two. Take a moment to reflect on it, and then pray. You know, if you read one chapter a day, you'd finish the Gospels in less than three months. But then at the end of that, you could start back over. Like I'm doing and read the Gospels again. Or you could just keep reading in the New Testament. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. So if you read a chapter a day, you'd finish sometime in September, having read through the whole New Testament. And folks, I can guarantee you, God's guarantee, your life's journey would be different those four journeys, your, your upward and your outward and your inward and your forward, would be different at the end of that time spent with God and his word. Well, today, we all stand united, woefully incomplete. Woefully unworthy to participate in this great communion. Yet it is my goal, it is our goal. It's my responsibility, it's our responsibility. It's my opportunity, it is your opportunity to strive for God's best in our lives. But only Jesus can bring that into completion. He started it in me, he grows it in me, he completes it in me, right? Philippians 1.6. 
I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. See, here's the hope of the new year. Jesus Christ has started to work in you, and he wants to complete it in you. It's all about our Jesus. As we think about Jesus today, his work in our lives, as we reflect on God and and what he has revealed to us today, let's open up our hearts to the movement of the Spirit in our lives as we come to this time of communion. During our communion time today would be a great time to start evaluating, to start thinking about life in these four journeys. So as the elements are passed, take these moments to do more than decide. Take out a pen and ask yourself the questions. Where am I on my journey? How, how am I doing? What's next? Then ask the Lord to help you pick an area to have a new beginning to jump. You know, some of the best prayer I ever have is with a pen in one hand and paper in the other. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we are here this day in January 3rd, 2016. A day that you've created. A day now where we come to you as woefully unworthy servants, but made incredibly worthy through Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate. His death, his resurrection, his life. His hope. Lord, we do not want to leave this church service like we've left so many others in our lives. Just kind of stirred. Maybe deciding to do something. But never really moving forward. We want to allow this communion time now with you and your spirit to move us beyond decision. To move us beyond being stirred. To move us to action. To jump to change, to grow. Lord, at this time we say to you, we surrender all. In Jesus' name, amen.